Today is my last day on the subject of divine healing. And really what I've done with this one is I want you to know something. Although God heals you to witness, God heals you to be a blessing to the body of Christ. God also wants you to be healed, to enjoy life. It's okay to enjoy life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I call this seize the moment and enjoy today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. This is the last of this week of series I've been teaching on. This is number six on the Lord, your healer. And I just want to take this last one and really to tell you with all the priorities we put into the Christian life. And I mean, we want, we're looking for the key to the Christian life. You know, somebody told me that one time. They said, I found the key to the Christian life. I said, no, you didn't. I said, there's no such thing as a key to the Christian life. Jesus said, I give you the keys, plural, of the kingdom. I mean, there, I remember when uh, praise and worship was really becoming a major thing here, not that many years ago, when praise and worship conferences were being held and praise and worship times were being held. And at the end of the conference, they had an entire evening of praise and worship. Incredible, wonderful things were happening there. And so many came back saying, I, this praise and worship is the key to the Christian life. I said, no, it's just one key on really a large ring. Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. And I don't think you could count how many. There's a key of praise. There's a key of worship. That's true, but there's also a key of prayer. There's also a key of praying in the spirit. There's also a key of healing. And all the things that God has for us in the Christian life come back to we need to know the right key to put into the right lock at the right time. So it is with healing and so it is with the Christian life. But I want to talk to you about one key that's often forgotten in the Christian life. We get so busy and doing great things for God. We're busy witnessing, we're busy getting people filled with the Holy Spirit, laying hands on the sick, doing the things that God has asked us to do, but we forget something. And that is we need to learn to seize the moment. What do I mean by that? Enjoy your life. The Christian life was made to enjoy life. Look around you, there's things that are so incredible. I mean, I remember a story one time about a boy that was driving down the street with his dad. His dad was saying, son, God created everything. And they kind of got to think about creation. And the boy looked up and said, did God make that building? And the dad looked at it for a moment and said, no, son. He said, man makes things that are easy. God makes the impossible. And so that really kind of brought it into perspective. Without what God made, we can't make anything. We need to come back to the fact that God made everything, but he also made life to be enjoyed. And we often forget that. And so Jesus didn't teach irresponsibility. He taught priorities and getting our life filled with priorities is so important. And that's why I want to take just a moment and mention some praise reports that have come in about this, how that this has changed the life of people. And I trust this one will change your life also, that you've got so busy studying the Word of God and doing all these things are important. Prayer time, and we remember to pray for our missionaries. We go to church. Uh, everybody gets around and does all their the responsible things they're supposed to in the Christian life. But they forget there's also other hours of the day that life is just simply meant to be enjoyed. And I want to talk to those again, you know, in the in this lesson. But I also want to mention too, there's been so many that have been blessed by this, and I know it's helped your life out tremendously. We have a praise report from Mike. And Mike just comments, he said, excellent teaching from Pastor Bob. I'm not commending myself here. Listen, I have a gift to do what I do, but there's other broadcasts that are on and they're gifted at what they do. There's evangelists out there that, I mean, can get you so stirred up for winning souls. And I think, how do they do that? It's what they're called to do. It's what their gifting is. I'm gifted with the office of a teacher. And one of the things I enjoy doing is taking difficult things and making them simple. Whenever I look at the word of God and people have actually thrown something away saying, I, I, 
it's just too difficult to understand. My first thing is, no, Jesus made everything easy to understand. If we look long enough and look at long enough through the Holy Spirit, and we pray over it, it's going to come to us what Jesus was saying. And suddenly, what's difficult suddenly becomes simple to understand. And so that's how I see the Word of God. And that's what I enjoy doing is taking things that look difficult in the Word of God, studying it out and seeing the simplicity of it, then presenting it to the people. Jesus did that in his teaching. In fact, when Jesus ran across something that was difficult, and he probably saw their eyes turning back in their head, he saw them yawning, and they saw them looking at their, you know, watches or whatever, thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to get out of here. He would throw a parable in. What did a parable do? It took a complicated message and made it so simple anybody could understand it. He would say it's like a woman putting leaven into a loaf of bread. All of a sudden, the women went, I understand that. He says like throwing a net into the ocean. All the fishermen understood that. He said it's, it's much like he said putting seed into the ground. All the farmers said, I understand that. Jesus hit everybody right where they could understand it. And this was the purpose of parables. And this is what my teaching does. Kind of like parables, I'll throw something in and it makes it easier to understand. But that is my gifting. I don't have all gifts, but I thank God for the gift I do have. We have another praise report here from Tracy. And she says, great explanation. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know why? Because that's what I'm here to do, make an explanation of the word of God. It may look difficult on the surface. In fact, Jesus taught in parables so that those who thought like the Pharisees did, they couldn't understand. They were always looking for the complicated things of the word of God. And Jesus just went right by them when he taught simple things and the people could understand it. And this is what the Pharisees delighted in was teaching things that people could not understand. And only they could understand it, making followers out of those people to them because they couldn't do it without the Pharisees. Jesus wanted to make it to where even if he was here or not, we still have the Holy Spirit and the simplicity of the word of God. I have one here from, from Amy. And Amy says, thank you, Pastor Bob, for your teaching. Amy, thank you for writing in and telling me so. And then we have from one from May, and she says, so blessed by your teaching, very timely, and God bless you. You know, when it comes back to that word timely, I think of it so often, I have gone to church thinking about something in the car, thinking about it for a few days, and the minister would go directly to that subject and explain it. And I think, thank you, Holy Spirit, you do that just for me. And that's what happens on this broadcast is I'll be teaching something and there are so many people thinking about the time. They think they're the only one, but they're not. You think you're unique enough to come up with your own problems, but you know what? Same problems face all of us, but the same answers from the word of God. So that's again, the Holy Spirit directing the teaching where at times I'll take it and, and hit a certain segment of the people watching. And thank you again, May, for writing in and letting me know this. Listen, if you have any comments you want to go to, well, you can go to your... To, uh, uh, you can go to YouTube. You can go to YouTube and send in your uh, responses and send in your praise reports or send in a question or whatever, and I'll be glad to answer those for you. So again, we thank you for watching. But let's get back to what we we're talking about. Jesus did not teach your responsibility. Priorities are good, and we need to have a life filled with priorities, but we can't prioritize our entire life. What? Life is not a daytimer. Now, for those of you who don't know what a daytimer is, a few years ago, they came out before all the tech equipment came out and they had a book called a daytimer and had your day listed out here. It had the hour, you know, like one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon, then spaces in between it for 1.30, 1.15, whatever. And you wrote in there what you were going to be doing at that time. And one thing that people forgot was this. They, they just jammed that stuff in there one after another. They forgot to make spaces in between for the unplanned, for the things that just erupt in life. And listen to this, life is not a daytimer. There's constantly things that come across your path that interrupt you. And you have to be able 
able to handle those things. So again, when we plan our life out, we need to put something in there, a space, and just we might enjoy something, something just put in there. Life is to be enjoyed. God made life that way. We make our plans far down the road, but we don't enjoy the trip. We're so busy looking at the things we need to do and saying this is a priority in life. And we get to the end of our life and look back on it and think, I didn't really get to enjoy my life like I want to. We make financial goals for the future, but the goal still doesn't have enough in it. We live the remainder of our life in fear of running out of money or losing our money. And again, we need to enjoy our life and understand that God said he would supply. I'm all for setting things aside in your life. I'm all for planning for the future, but I don't plan for the future so I can get to the end of my life and still plan for the future. I plan for the future to enjoy my life. And listen, enjoying your life can be leading people to Jesus, all the things you're supposed to do, but it can also mean enjoying your life on a vacation, taking time off and taking a look at what God has placed in front of you. What a great thing again. So again, we make great plans for the end of our life, but we really don't enjoy our life. No one at death says they should have spent more time at the office. They'll not tell you that. They'll tell you, I spent way too much time at the office. I didn't really enjoy my kids. I didn't enjoy my grandkids like I should. I was so busy thinking money was the answer to everything in life when there are poor people that enjoy life better than you do having wealth in your life. But that also means there's wealthy people who are truly enjoying life and using money for what it's intended for, for Christians especially, first of all, giving into the kingdom of God, giving to your church, giving to missions and all those other things. But the rest of it is for your own life to be blessed in your life. God gave you money also to bless your life and to enjoy as well as giving to others, enjoy your own personal life. So God even made life to be enjoyed by a sinner. Did you know that? Friends of mine went on a trip to Alaska not that long ago, and they were talking to me, and they said, not too many on the ship, they said, were Christians. They found a few. They said they saw them praying over their meals and things like that within the uh, place, you know, where they eat in in the ship that they were on. But they said one of the things that really occurred was they said they came and there was a 76-mile-long glacier in front of them. The ship had to go back so far to even catch the entire thing. They said even then you had to pan your camera to pick up the entire thing. They said it was literally breathtaking. When people stood there looking at it, no one could say a word. They they said they suddenly thought to themselves, how about people right now are throwing out the whole thing of evolution. This stuff could not have just happened. It has to be God who created this. They said in everything about the cruise, everything looked different. Every uh, iceberg, everything that they saw, animals, all the different things, the mountains, all were so different and God made them that way. But they said, as people stood there on the deck of that ship looking at this 76 mile long glacier, they said there were people with tears in their eyes, so overwhelmed by the things they saw. Even life, if you're not a Christian, is made to be enjoyed. Look at how God made everything. And so again, this is what God intended for us to do. The book of Proverbs tells us, in fact, I like the book of Proverbs because it's a book also on just enjoying life around us. And it tells us there that if you have nothing in your life that's enjoyable, at least marriage can be enjoyable. 
It even says it's a refuge for an unbeliever to have a good marriage. I think about movie stars I, uh, that I have known and those that had their own television shows late in life. And, you know, they, and one of them said this at the end of his life. Everybody kept telling me money was the answer to everything. So they said, we collected money. We got cars. We got homes. We got all these other things. And they said, got to the end of our life and found out we were not any happier at all with all that money. And one man said, he said, at least in my life, I had a good wife. He says, she was my, my thing to come home to at the end of the day. He said, we had a wonderful marriage and thank God for a wonderful marriage. Can you see something? God made this earth and its beauty and even the things around you that if you you don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You don't have to have a life that is totally void of happiness. It'll be momentary happiness, not eternal happiness. But God is simply saying here in this passage of scripture, if he made even life to be enjoyable for an unbeliever, what's it supposed to be for a Christian? When we come back from this, we're going to talk about this because there's so many stories in the Bible that can almost irritate you. And you need to take a look at what was going on because life is to be enjoyed, even though things happen to you that you don't enjoy, even though people step in front of you, even though circumstances don't work out for you like you want them to, life is still meant to be enjoyed. And God constantly, each and every day, turns cursing into blessing. He will do the same thing for you. So when we come back, we'll talk about it again. And again, we have the book on the grace of healing. That's what I'm offering in this program. And the announcer will come on and tell you how you can have a personal copy for yourself. See you right after the break. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyendian.com. With sin, Adam opened the door to every spiritual and physical curse for all mankind, including sickness. Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. In How Deep Are the Stripes, Bobby Indian reveals that sickness and disease are the outward manifestations of eventual death. Their sole purpose is to keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. But Jesus came to give you life that includes health, wholeness, and victory in the course God has set before you. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, and gave you authority over every sickness or disease that would ever try to steal the health that belongs to you. Apply the revelation in this powerful book, and you will be equipped to walk in the wholeness which is yours in Jesus Christ. To order How Deep Are the Stripes, visit bobyandian.com or call 918 2502207 Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Life is to be enjoyed. That's what we've been talking about in the first half of this broadcast. I want to bring out some stories to you around the subject of healing, since that's what we're talking about, is the subject of healing, and show to you that, listen, life is to be enjoyed. When healing comes, thank God for it. But you know what? It brings us right back to the point that now we can begin to serve God. We can begin to do things we couldn't do before, but also we can enjoy life like we haven't enjoyed it before. So I'm talking about, in fact, I'm entitling this particular one in this series. I'm calling it Seize the Moment because God wants us to be able to seize the moment and be blessed. Enjoy life that those things we have around us were given there by God to be enjoyed. Let's talk about the fact that, again, we can plan for tomorrow. We can live for today, but we also need to live for the moment. That's a very key thing and an important thing in the Christian life. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43 is Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. Jairus had money, a very wealthy man, had a daughter who was young that was dying. And in fact, he didn't know it, but she died while he was talking to Jesus. By the time that he was ready to walk away with Jesus, thinking she was just going to be healed, it was given to him the report, no, sir, she has died. And I imagine Jairus could have been upset because there was a woman that cut in in front of him. And so again, in finding all this, Jairus and the woman, we find that Jesus lived for the moment. Jesus was able to take the things of life, the things that were going on around him. And at that moment that he did that and moving and things were moving around him, he was able to see through all of it and talk to people and bring them back to the reality of the moment. So in chapter five of the book of Mark, this story of the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus planned for tomorrow. He planned for the cross. He planned for eternity. Those things were always on his mind, but he also planned for the coming of the Holy Spirit that was yet future. But Jesus enjoyed each day. He enjoyed each moment. I think of a story one time, Jesus was talking to his disciples one morning. I guess they were planning out for the day or something. But he mentioned, he said, I guess you heard about that tower that fell over and killed those people. Well, that's not in the Bible. And the only way to have found that out was either read the Jerusalem Post or listen to the news that was going on or the reports in the street. Or they had uh, young men crying out on the corner, you know, about what the daily news was. He heard that. So Jesus was not oblivious to what was going on in life and even made comments on it. And so again, he planned for these things. He again told his disciples, about the cross. They didn't want to hear about it, but he told them the cross was coming. He told them about eternal values. And then just as he was ready to leave the earth, he told them about the coming of the Holy Spirit to prepare for that. But again, Jesus not only was a man, the Bible says he was filled with sorrows and filled with grief, and he went to the cross with that. But Jesus also was a very happy man. He enjoyed each day. I think for years, growing up about the pictures that I saw of Jesus and he had, you know, the one with the lamb in his hand. Very rarely did Jesus have a smile on his face, but I remember the picture that came across when one young boy had a vision of Jesus and painted a picture from it, and Jesus had a grin from ear to ear, and it so shocked the Christian world because they thought he was a somber man, a man filled with griefs and sorrows. He came to this earth, and he enjoyed life. That's what we should be doing each and every day. There was a daughter at stake. Her life was at stake, and there was a woman with an issue of blood, and both came to Jesus, and Jairus's daughter was at the point of death. The woman had had this condition for 12 years and would have lived longer. So I'm sure Jairus must have, when he contacted contacted Jesus and Jesus started heading toward his house. He couldn't wait to get to the house, but they were interrupted. Welcome to life. Life is filled with interruptions, things that we don't plan on. Listen, how many times have I planned on the day and things came up? I remember one time as pastor, 
I planned on that Wednesday to, to prepare for the sermon that night. I had some points that I was going over and I was gonna put a sermon together. And when I got to the office, a woman called and she was sick and in the hospital and we had no one to go pray for her at that point because the staff was out doing other things. And so I said, I'll go pray for her. I did, it didn't take a whole long time. But on the way back, I began to try to condense my time. Now, what do I need to do? And when I got to the office, something else had happened. Later on, something else had happened. And the day was just literally, it fell apart. By the end of that afternoon, I hadn't studied at all. And I needed to go home, prepare again, just physically, you know, take a shower and all the other stuff to go to church that night and to teach. And when I got to church, I had nothing. I walked into that pulpit and I said, God, you better come up with something. How many of you know, you don't have to tell God you have to, but I told him, you better come up with something. And that was one of the best sermons. I mean, things came to me out of the out of the Holy Spirit. Things came to me just from everywhere. And I taught a sermon that I got more comments on that sermon. And you know what my temptation was? Let's do this again next week. Let's just throw fate to the wind and let's just walk in expecting. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, no, in times of emergencies, I show up. But the rest of the time, you're to plan your time out. Study to show yourself approved. And suddenly scripture started coming to me of the importance of study. So again, you can't just have this happen all the time. But in this particular case, J. Iris's daughter was at the point of death. The woman had this condition coming to him for 12 years. And this is what he had to be thinking. Jesus, can you tell this woman you'll see her later? She's existed for 12 years. I'm sure she's going to last for another hour or two. Get to my house. My daughter's about to die. You see what this man had in his mind was this. Death is the finale. Death is the death is the end of this thing. And that when we got to get it before that happens, because if she dies, there's no way she's coming back. And he did the same thing that happened later on with Mary and Martha, whenever their their brother was dying and Lazarus and Jesus called him forth after death because you know what they thought death was the end of it. Oh, if you'd have just made it here before he died, that was the major thing. And Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life." And Mary said to him, yeah, I know one day you'll be the resurrection, but right now, and Jesus was meaning right now. So again, the woman had this condition for 12 years. She would have lived longer than that, but the girl was young. The woman was old. Jairus was there first, and this woman cut in line. I'm sure he had all this stuff going through his mind. Next of all, he was a man of influence. This woman was unknown. My daughter being healed is going to send a message all through this whole area out here. This woman, if she is just those around it are going to see it. And he was upset. And this one, listen, Jesus again was speaking to this man, Jairus, before this. The woman was just common. But here's the other thing Jesus did. He stopped. This woman touched him. It could have gone. And Jesus could have said later, someone was healed back there. No, he stopped. He felt the anointing flow out of him. And when that anointing flowed out of him, he stopped and said, virtue has flowed out of me. That's your King James. Power is the Greek word. Dunamis. Power has just flowed out of me. I felt it. He said, somebody touched me. And the disciples said, somebody touched you. Look at all the people thronging you, hitting up against you. And you said, somebody touched me. Jesus didn't mean somebody accidentally touched him. He meant, Jesus said, somebody touched me. And he meant by faith, something happened to me. I felt the anointing of God, the power of God flow out of me and something happened. And this, and they all backed up and this woman was there crouched on the ground, just wanting to touch the hem of his garment and then back off. That's all she wanted. 
But Jesus made something out of this. Don't you know Jairus must have been upset by this? Now he's asking for her testimony. We've only got a few moments. My daughter is dying. And what he didn't know was she had already died. So again, Jairus was there first. This woman cut in line. Jairus was well known. The woman was a common woman. And healing Jairus' daughter would bring more fame to Jesus and his disciples. And here he is probably thinking Jesus was like any normal man. He wanted more fame and this would have brought it to him. And it simply comes back to this. God is interested in meeting needs. His priorities are not our priorities. Jesus went out of his way for one woman at a well. He woke up that morning and told his disciples in John chapter four, we must needs go through Samaria. We have to go through Samaria. This is a leading of the Holy Spirit for me to go there. I'm sure the disciples probably thought Samaria. Why, we don't have much to do with Samaritans. In fact, they were at the bottom of their priority list and Jesus made it number one that morning and they went into Samaria. And when he got there, Jesus said, to the disciples, go into town, he says, and he said, uh, "Get, uh, we need food. And so, but Jesus didn't mean food. He didn't mean food to eat. What he told him later was, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. I sent you into town, win souls. Why did Jesus go to that area? He knew inside of himself that the area of Samaria was ripe for revival. Others had gone there, preached the gospel. Others had laid hands on the sick and seen great things happen. And the city was at a fever pitch and they were ready for the coming of real information, Jesus himself being the one that was going to save them. And Jesus stayed outside and dealt with the hardest one of all and sent them into town to get the easy one saved. And they missed the whole thing. When Jesus said, go and get meat, go and get food, what they thought was natural food. So they went to a store, probably walked out with a sack in their hand, and they probably were going down the street going, ooh, look at all these Samaritans. And the Samaritans were everywhere. Probably the Samaritans were looking at them going, what are these Jews doing here? And what's that bag they have in their hand? Well, they finally got to the edge of town. Even as they walked out of town, they were thinking about business. They said, look at this, the fields are ripe unto harvest. And and man, we need to go back to Jerusalem and invest in Samaritan wheat futures. Man, this thing looks really good. They probably had this all mentally thinking about it, but they weren't thinking about souls. And when they got back there, they found Jesus talking to this woman at the well. They probably thought he's talking to a woman and they're by themselves. Does Jesus know exactly what he's doing? And the answer was yes, because by the time she ran off and went back into town, she had accepted him as the Messiah, as her Lord and Savior. And she went back and brought all the men back out and there was a revival that broke out in that town. You see, Jesus listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit but I want you to enjoy, understand something. Jesus had a smile on his face the whole time. He had a smile on his face when he was winning that woman to the Lord. He had a smile on his face when he was going to, to the area. Probably he saw all the beauty around him too of nature like the disciples did. And he probably noticed all those things too. Jesus enjoyed the journey to Jairus's house one day and he enjoyed the trip also into Samaria by the well to win this woman to the Lord. Jesus just enjoyed life. So when they finally got to the house where Jairus's daughter was, Jesus walked in there and everybody was crying and wailing. All these people were paid to do that. And Jesus simply said, get out of the room. She's only asleep. She's not, she's not dead. She's asleep. Everybody laughed him to scorn because they knew this girl was dead. And Jesus got them out of the room. Jesus just prayed over her and took her by the hand. And suddenly she came from the dead. She was raised back up and there was rejoicing in the house. Jesus brought joy into that household. I'm simply here to say, what kind of daytimer do you have? What's your day look like? 
So you have all the things you're going to do because you've got to do this for this and do this for this, even do this for Jesus, do this for the kingdom of God. Leave some space in there to enjoy what's around you. God gave you this life to be enjoyed. Think of the beauty of nature. Think about things around you that are just inexplainable. And God has put you right in the midst of this for you to enjoy. What does Satan's voice say? Satan's voice is probably talking to you about your problems, all the things that are out there, putting fear into your life. And you need to speak to fear and say, fear, I don't fear you at all. My fear is in the Lord. My reverence is for him. And he has given me life to truly be enjoyed. And today I'm going to enjoy my life as well as doing things for the kingdom of God. I'm so important. God left me here and left me here with a purpose. And that purpose is not only to win souls, but to enjoy this life that God has placed me in. So I'm simply saying to you, why don't you enjoy life too? I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.